This is the second podcast from the same day, July 27th, 2022. And I realized I made a mistake that I need to clarify. And I forgot to say a couple major things that I wanted to say in the previous podcast, which was called Disintegrating the Elephant. Okay, the mistake I made was that I said in Disintegrating the Elephant that the World Economic Forum coined the term mental health. The mistake is that the WHO, the World Health Organization, coined that term in 1948. The World Health Organization coined the term mental health. And prior to that, if you want to go down a rabbit hole, people used to talk about mental hygiene. That's a whole other story. But there is a concern. And I'm going to just pick up the record needle and move it over to a different place, different time. Traditional Chinese medicine, TCM, traditional Chinese medicine. There are a dozen or more schools in the United States that you can go to to become a doctor of traditional Chinese medicine, TCM. There are TCM schools that you can go to in other countries. Prior to TCM, prior to traditional Chinese medicine, was thousands of years that predated the communist revolution. And so the very short version of a of a very long history is that for many 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 thousands of years there was what was called folk medicine <laughs> folk medicine of the people people medicine grandmothers teaching their granddaughters herbs recipes the medicine was holistic It involved gardening and harvesting and slaughtering and how to how to keep your animals healthy, your eggs healthy, your river and creek through the town healthy, the spirit of your neighbors and friends inspired and healthy. Uh, It also involved. the martial arts of how to defend your community from marauders and invaders. So the folk medicine was more holistic than anything that we could ever imagine today because it wasn't fragmented into all of these hall of mirrors of disintegrated specialists. There wasn't a podiatrist and an OBGYN, there was folk 
medicine, which dovetailed into the music and dancing and resting and cooking and catching the food. It was, it wasn't uh, separated and disintegrated. It was a, uh, it was harmonious, and there's a oneness in that. So imagine, imagine how, depending on if you lived in, say, a tropical, meadowy, low-altitude marshland compared to a people that live in a high-altitude, uh, let's say, sparsely populated, high-altitude, cold-weather, high-wind uh rocky soil the the people in that region would have a whole different constitution they would have different customs that were more from and dependent upon like a like a two-way river of of the folk medicine and when I say folk medicine, picture the dancing, the songs, the the herbs, the oils, the salts, the 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 just all of the things, not separate little things like like you as a person living in this community where there weren't specialists where food was shared, medicine was shared, herbs were shared, there was cooperation. Cooperation might be the one word that is really important to focus on here. In the previous podcasts, I was ridiculing, for good reason, the Diagnostic Statistician's Manual. Because the Diagnostic Statistician's Manual is all about looking at symptoms and it really ignores relationships. And when I say relationship, I'm talking about your relationship with your food, your relationship with your neighbor, your relationship with how you breathe the air, your relationship with your stress, with your rest, with your hobbies with your pastimes, with your community. So a good counselor, a really good counselor generally seems to understand relationship. And another word from relationship would be cooperation. And the, the humans that survived raids and ambushes from marauders and from neighboring tribes and war the the and famines and fires and earthquakes and tornadoes the the people that could cooperate are the ones that survived and they through their cooperation created culture and the culture is the basket making the songs the 
spices, the food, the religion, the, the, the culture is from the cooperation. The cooperation created all of the stuff that we find awesome. <laughs> you know, the music, the food, the stuff that just makes life enjoyable was created from the cooperation. The stuff that made life beautiful instead of wretched was from cooperation, which is opposite from isolation. And so a really good counselor understands that cooperation. And when I say cooperation, it's interdependent on others, but it's also all the other things with with you know, the creek that's running through the village and the, the, the breeze and the air. And, you know, if, if you're constantly burning a big smoky fire with damp wood, you know, downwind from the person, you know, just downwind from someone else and they have to breathe your f- smoke all the time, you know, it's it's like... Or if you're shitting in the river upstream, you know, there's all sorts of ways of of cooperating and having healthy relationship. That's not just with people, it's with everything around us. You know, if I'm chopping down all the trees for my firewood and leaving you with nothing and creating a desert environment, uh, am I giving am I giving back? more than I'm taking it, you know, like there's all these ways to talk about relationship and cooperation. That's a complex topic where, you know, the DSM, partly why I'm ridiculing it is that it's just, it's so focused myopically on symptoms, ignoring big picture of cooperation relationship. Now, I pick up the needle on that record and move it over to a point in history when the communist revolution happened in China. Because China was a region of, let's just look at it as many, many, many different climate zones, different regions, different people, lots of different folk medicine. And when I say folk medicine, I'm saying many different culture cultures, high mountain, cold weather cultures, low altitude, tropical people. uh, And, and everything is so different, just depending on where and how you're living. Are you living where it's dry desert? Or are you living where there's lots of mosquitoes and, and rich soil? And how different everything's going to be based on how and where you're living. And so all of the medicines, you know, the, the, much of the Chinese medicine system is based on looking at the elements of earth, fire, wind, water, wood, metal, What is it? Wood, metal, fire, water. Wood, metal, fire, water. What am I missing? Earth. It's like a, it's like a star. It's like a five-pointed star. So much of the Chinese medicine looks at that. It also looks at, at what's called the yin-yang. And yin-yang 
in a short manner translates to shadeward side and sunward side and how different the shade is compared to the sun how different dark is compared to light you know so much of the chinese medicine system looks at healing arts medicine through the yin yang and also the five elements earth wind water fire wood and from there things get more and more complex and complicated so it's kind of like a very simple very simple system that then gets very complex which is sort of like the human body i mean when we look at the human body it's kind of just a star a five-pointed star head two arms two legs it's like five points the elbow bends one direction you know and then the wrist and hand joint might be a little more complicated the feet are more complicated but overall the human body it's very complex on one hand but very simple on the other and the reality of each of us is that that the irregularity is the actual norm our uniqueness is 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 the reality so like a statistical model doesn't apply you can't apply a statistical model to the individual that's that's the biggest lie about something like the diagnostic statisticians manual is that you can't apply a statistic to an individual because the truth of the individual is that the the irregularity is the rule the exception to the rule is is actually the rule and i want to get to this moment where traditional chinese medicine almost just puts a whole layer of cement like a parking lot on an ecosystem so you have this whole diverse ecosystem of different cultures from different regions where yes there's this overarching sort of thing based on the yin and the yang and the five elements but then that sort of dovetails in with different regions where we draw more of our Ayurvedic, sort of more Indian, because you look at that border region between India and China, so, so you're, you're looking at, at something where it's, it's similar but different. You know, we've got all these different things like Buddhism and Confucianism and Taoism and, and all these different things that are kind of from different areas and regions that go back thousands and thousands of years of pre-codification. You know, something like yoga. Yoga exists for thousands of years before potentially only a couple thousand years ago tried to codify some of it and put some of it into words and say this is kind of what yoga is but it it had been in in existence for thousands of years and yoga has similarities with a lot of what the chinese philosophies and cultures were about like a lot of crossover in that region because those regions are connected they're not separate you know if you zoom into a uh, 
rainbow from the sun hitting the rain and you look with you know binoculars really close at that rainbow there is no separation where red turns to orange it's 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 a continuum right and then where you know orange turns to yellow there's no there's no differentiated it's it's the same continuum and and so you've got that historical continuum and regional continuum and now place families and tribes and communities and grandmothers passing down songs and medicine and if someone has a fever you know what is growing in the garden this time of year versus versus say the spring versus the summer uh what do we have in in jars that we've canned what you know the medicines would have been regional and maybe maybe one family would have hiked from the from the meadow at sea level up to the mountains to trade with the mountain people medicines and food right so there's there's all sorts of interrelationships where 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 when we talk about something like chinese medicine there were communities where there might be a person in that community who over the course of lineage and grandmas passing down to granddaughters passing down to granddaughters passing down to granddaughters thousands of years of lineage and i don't want to say patriarchy or matriarchy just just family passing down recipes and songs and medicine to where the wisdom within one person in that family as the library of receiving thousands of years of lessons from grandmother to grandfather to you would have had one person in that community or family that was more epic and more knowledgeable than anything you could imagine today where they would have spoke so many languages and understood so much about herbs and they could look at the environment and know everything that was poisonous everything that was edible they could speak all sorts of different tongues with all the different neighbors in the different regions they knew songs dances recipes more than anything you could imagine today then (laughs) then the communist revolution happened and almost in the blink of an eye overnight those lineages were eradicated almost like napalm being sprayed over villages by the US military in Vietnam almost like a like a nuclear bomb going off over Hiroshima or Nagasaki almost overnight thousands and thousands of years of the most epic amount of libraries of knowledge were eradicated. In fact, the Chinese government under the communist revolution, one of the first things they did was burn all the libraries. When they invaded Tibet, they burned the libraries. And we're talking about thousands of years of texts written by masters trying to codify 
all of the medicine and song and dance and spirituality in case something like this happened. And the Chinese burned all of that. You could look at something very similar. The last of the Indian wars in the United States was the Apaches. The Apaches were the last Indians to be eradicated. And it would have been similar. The songs, the dances, the medicines, just pretty much overnight, late 1800s, United States, the Apaches eradicated. And then we sort of pedestalize a few randos from the Apaches. Like we know Geronimo. We know the nickname Geronimo. But it's sort of like a cartoon character. It's not, it's not, we lost we decapitated all of the thousands of years of knowledge. Now, some very rare few lucky people in China or some of the rare few Apaches were hidden almost like underground railroad style. They were hidden in India, in China. Oftentimes it would be some legendary, legendary medicine man, healer, whatever we want to call him, just just amazing person would be hidden within the theocracy, maybe one of the monarchs of the time, one of the rich kings would have been like, yo, let's not eradicate, you know, Charlie over there because Charlie's so wise. And so there are some that got hidden, you know, kind of like Anne Frank being hidden from the Nazis. So some some of the wise ones were hidden and some of the lineage gets passed down through people like Patabi Joyce and Iyengar and Krishnamacharya. Krishnamacharya was one of these people in India when the British invaded because when the British invaded India, one of the very first things the British did was eradicate all of the wise, wise ones. All of the ninjas, <laughs> you know, all of the ninjas were eradicated because the British military was like a marginalized, you know, bunch of grunts. Bunch of dumb, idiot grunts who they're nothing compared to these wise ones. So traditional Chinese medicine was created by the communist government as a way to almost put something on a ventilator. Like the Chinese communists eradicated this whole healing art lineage and then in a last sort of Hail Mary ventilator resuscitation deathbed prayer, the communist government codified a healing art system called traditional Chinese medicine. And that's what we have in the United States. If you go to an acupuncturist today in the United States, by and large, it's going to be a watered down, whitewashed, communistic version of something very different than if you are really lucky to have found someone like a Vince Black who passed away a few years ago who was trained 
from one of the lineages that was hidden away and escaped being murdered by the communists. And the reason I talk about that traditional Chinese medicine codifying what the healing arts is and what it's allowed to be, when you go to a traditional Chinese medicine school in a place like Tucson, Arizona, let's just say, or Santa Fe, New Mexico, you go to one of these traditional Chinese medicine schools to get a doctor's degree in TCM, it's whitewashed and watered down and communistic, costs a lot of money, so it's interesting because it's like very capitalistic and money-driven, but it's communistic. So again, these crossovers, these continuums, they're not separate, they're the same, it's a continuum. And not to say that you're not learning important things in TCM. There is truth and wisdom there. There is a general system that's based in the yin-yang and the elements and how to look at a person and diagnose them from, from that general system. But it's been, it's been McDonaldized in a way. It's been turned from something that was so rich and deep and diverse into something that's sort of like a supersize McDonald's menu. And that's what a lot of a lot of things are today. Massage therapy school. If you go to massage therapy school, it's taught from a litigious, fear-based, licensure standpoint where the lessons you're going to learn are all from a fear of being sued, fear of lawsuits. It's all watered down. It's rather frustrating how watered down it is. And that's partly why it's very, very, very difficult to find an excellent massage therapist. It's very difficult to find an excellent acupuncturist. When I was in acupuncture school, I was doing Qigong one morning and this master teacher who was traveling the world came to visit and he was standing next to me doing Qigong that morning and he looked at me and he said, my master would never let someone else put a needle in him my master would never let someone else put a needle in him so i i want to talk a little bit about that whole eradication of culture because we've seen it in germany we've seen it in china have you ever listened to any of the Brothers Grimm? Do you, do you know the stories the, that were composed by the Brothers Grimm? Do you know anything about the Brothers Grimm? The Brothers Grimm, I think in the late 1800s, traveled throughout Germany and spoke to old grandmothers and grandfathers and asked them, can you tell us your folk stories? And they recorded all these folk stories from the grandmothers and grandfathers in the late 1800s in Germany. And they, they compiled a book of folk stories that had been passed down from generation to generation. One of them's, one of them's a story about the white snake. It's one of my favorite stories ever. Look up the Brothers Grimm story about the white snake. There's all these amazing stories that were passed down from generation to generation. Folk stories, pre-codification. 
Now, the DSM-5 TR, text revised, one of the problems with the TR version of the DSM-5, and this is one of the tricks they do, is that every time they revise these editions, well, the when you put out, say, the new edition, say the DSM-5, it's a new edition, everyone has to agree. Like, they, they have these huge, you know, arguments and meetings and all of the big egos come together you know, the the Carl Jung and Sigmund Freud of our modern day, they all get together and they, they bang heads with each other and then they agree on how everything's going to be codified. But then when the, when the edition is revised, that's where all the dirty work is done. <laughs> then, then all of the heads aren't butted together. There's sort of just a small, smaller board of people that just revises it and then changes all sorts of stuff. You know, it's like, it's like the board members are like, okay, now that nobody's looking, let's do the dirty work and change everything. And so this new DSM-5 TR version is where they've reworked an entire chapter on gender and snuck all the things like cisgender in there as a new label and definition. It's in the revised, the text revised version. That's where they do the dirty work. And so... The DSM-5 TR is similar, and it can't be stated lightly enough that the definition of communism, according to Karl Marx and the collective of people that penned the Communist Manifesto, when they agreed upon what is communism, they agreed on the definition of communism being a society without private property. When you read things like A Brave New World by Aldous Huxley or you read George Orwell's 1984, there is a great concern when you have a society, one, that doesn't have private property, which the majority of the United States doesn't have private property. So then what is it? If, if communism is defined by a society without private property. If the majority of people in the United States don't have private property, then what is the United States? And two, this last two and a half years was a humongous uptick in your body no longer being private, where government officials and managers at corporations and flight attendants and, you know, border patrol guards they could deny you access to uh, your humanity unless you subjected yourself to no longer having sovereignty or autonomy over your physical body. So your own physical body in this current era, according to the World Economic Forum, is no longer your own. And you can listen to people like Noah Harari openly talk about that. Klaus Schwab openly talk about that, that, that your body is no longer your own. And this is modern day, uh, democratic liberalism group think Her be part of the herd. If you're not willing to be one of the herd jumping off the bridge, then you are dangerous. And, you know, these were the warnings that Aldous Huxley gave us in A Brave New World and, and George Orwell warned us in 1984 that, that communism was spreading and that it was spreading in a way that we weren't seeing. 
And here it is. Here we are. And so something like the DSM-5 is part of that eradication of something that preceded. So it's an eradication of, of the folk, of the people. And it's a, a uh, type of concrete made of statistics that is cemented over top of the people. You know, like, like the way Chernobyl was treated. Just cover it with cement. So the World Health Organization coined the term mental health. And the World Health Organization and the World Economic Forum, they work in tandem... That is the totalitarianism. That's the authoritative totalitarianism that George Orwell and Aldous Huxley Huxley were warning us about. That is the communism. That is... uh, Aldous Huxley points out in the foreword of one of the uh, newer editions, one of the newer printings of his book, he writes a foreword in there as an older man. And he, he criticizes his own work. He says, here's what I would have done differently if I were to write this book again. And it's interesting hearing, hearing him talk about what he would have written differently. But one of the things he says in there is that when totalitarian in, totalitarianism increases, uh, so, so does the sexual bizarrity, like the sexual people get more and more sex obsessed when they lose their freedoms. So he's, you know, totalitarianism as totalitarianism increases, you rapidly lose more and more of your freedoms. And he says that when that happens, when people lose their freedoms, they become more and more sex obsessed. Sound familiar? (laughs) So it's interesting that this DSM-5-TR has a whole chapter where if you really look at it objectively, it's, it's sex obsession. And it's, it's sex obsession trying to say that it's not sex obsession by obsessively, compulsively fixating on the million different genders that supposedly exist and categorizing cisgender as as <laughs> putting a label like cisgender on what was just folk it was just folk you know just the cultural folk people oh we're going to call that cisgender now and make that a problem so this dsm thing is very similar to an expansion of a ripple effect that didn't stop with the communist revolution. It didn't stop with the Nazis in Germany. It's the same centralization of power. Someone recently asked me on a dating site, every now and then I sign up on one of these dating sites and they are just the badlands. They, they are so miserable. And there's, that's a whole other podcast I should do. Um, they're miserable. So I sign up it's just suffering and misery to just step into the badlands like that. 
a lady matched with me in Missoula, Montana, and she her profile said something about she was like 34 and she says like every time she goes on a date with guys her age, it makes her um want to have sex with younger guys where she's realizing that she's now a cougar. And it's just like reading that kind of thing from from a lady's profile, like how many red flags are just in that right there. But she reached out to me and and she read my profile. And my profile said something like, proud descendant of one of the signers of the Declaration of Independence. And it's embarrassing to put something truthful about myself on these dating sites. I always just like would rather say nothing. And I eventually delete and just get off of there because I'm always happier not not participating in the Badlands, in that hall of mirrors of dis-ease. So... Because I said something about that I'm a proud descendant of one of the signers of the Declaration of Independence, she says, I'm really worried about where things are going. She says, are you, do you tend to be leaning left or right? And I was like, neither, both. I said, honestly, to answer that question, I said that if you really want to hear my answer, the age-old war of centralization versus decentralization. You know, it's not really about left or right. It's that, do you recognize the age-old war of the centralization of power as the problem? You know, like the American Psychiatric Association and the DSM-5 and the World Health Organization and the World Economic Forum... These are, these, these are organizations that have centralized power into the hands of a few to rule over the many. And that's the age-old battle we're fighting. That's neo-feudalism. And that's always wrong. Because in the previous podcast, I was talking about how authority is the root of... of the authority is why people can't live in clarity 24-7. And so centralization of power is the problem, whether it's with currency, culture, medicine. When you centralize power and state-sanctioned this and the World Economic Forum and the World Health Organization, these are centralized power. The World Health Organization is the antithesis to what I was talking about in a, like going into the historical framework of say ancient cultures in China and India. Was it mountain people? Was it valley people? Was it wet climate people or desert people? Was it people living close to the equator or far from the equator? Uh, you know, all of that is about differences of culture different currencies different way of life different medicines different beverages different drugs different dances different songs different languages that's where it's at that's the sweet nectar of all the different sweet flavors and varieties of the honey but the world economic forum is just about centralization of power so it's not about left or right it's about whether whether power is being centralized and it's just putting concrete and cement on top of everything 
So today's podcast was going to be short because I wanted to clarify that the World Health Organization is the organization that coined the term mental health. And there's an agenda there. And it's a sick agenda. If you'd like to contact me and share any of your thoughts, critiques, concerns, criticisms, or give input onto future topics or rabbit holes that I should go down, join my Patreon at www.patreon.com slash cracked liberty. This concludes the second recording on the same day, July 27th, 2022.